I'm Will Hansen, and welcome to the Experts in the Room podcast, brought to you by Extreme Push. In this series, we chat to some of the leading minds working in the customer experience, retention, and data space in some of the most competitive and fastest growing industries in the world. In this episode, content is king. I spoke with Curtis Roach, co-founder and head of content at iGaming Future. We peek behind the camera and the interview mic and talk to one of the iGaming industry's best media brands. We check the pulse on the hot topics of 2023 and 24, talk about how the industry can take lessons from other brands and marketplaces. We'll also talk about some of the great events that iGaming Future held this year and how you can get involved with them. This is a good one. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Experts in the Room. I am very lucky to be joined by Curtis Roach today, um, co-founder and head of content at iGaming Future. Curtis, great to have you on board to have a chat um, with us on the podcast today. Thanks, Will. I appreciate you having me. It's a a pleasure and an honor. Uh, Looking forward to getting into some very meaty juicy topics today. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it, it would be quite rare for you to be on the other side of this. Usually you're the one uh, driving content and doing the interviews, yeah. right? It's a bit weird, yeah. a bit surreal, but I like it. Yeah. It's nice. We've, we, flipped, we flipped the script, which is which is <laughs> nice. So yeah. um, no, we're, we're excited to have you here um, and, to, and to chat. Uh, it'd be awesome if you give maybe a brief summary of um, iGaming Future and, and what you guys do as, as a publisher um within the iGaming industry and then it'll become pretty clear to our listeners why we're having a chat to you um because you guys do some excellent work on your content and um talk about a lot of the hot topics that we discuss with a lot of the crm managers we've chatted to on this podcast yeah all right thanks will i mean i think to be honest the clues in the name you know we're, we're iGaming future we are um, a b2b news publication for the iGaming industry purely focused on the on future focused uh, content. I think just to give a bit of background. Myself and my partner Rory, uh, who who uh, who started off iGaming Future, we kind of looked. We have kind of a bit of a history in the iGaming industry, and when we looked at the media, or a lot of the media that was already present uh, in you know in the media in the industry, I think a lot of it was quite retrospective. You know, like uh, what can we learn from the World Cup, or what did we learn from this new regulation that's just come up and, you know, messed up everyone's plans. How are we going to respond to it? And we thought that, you know, when you look at some of the more mature industries out there, a lot of them have a much more future-focused angle. Um, and I think there's a lot of value to that, you know? So that's kind of how we came up with iGaming Future, um, the brand. And um, yeah, things are going well so far. We're like three and a half, uh, four years in, and we've got a great community of uh, of industry leaders that contribute to our, our content on a daily basis, weekly basis. And yeah, things are going well. Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting way to pitch it because, yeah, you, you, you're dead right. Brands and operators and, and everyone within the industry can be a little bit focused on the past instead of looking at what is coming down the line and what are the big trends that are coming down the line. And I think um, that's probably where we're going to go down uh, the routes today. I'm going to pick your crystal, the crystal ball on all the things that you guys see within the industry um, and talk about it. Like, um, how do you go about putting together? So from a, from a content perspective, how do you guys go about, obviously you've got your business model of you'll have brands that'll be working with you, but how do you go about picking out the really good topics that are 
presenting themselves in the future or is it is it relatively obvious um about some of the things that are coming you know what it's a it's a mix of both some of it is relatively obvious i think if if you work and operate within the iGaming industry i think uh, a lot of us will probably have a lot share a lot of the same challenges but for us more specifically you know we have daily conversations with um our community so if, just to kind of give a bit of context here yeah what we find is that the people who are paid to kind of think about the future and care about the future are are, are usually, you know, the decision makers, senior leaders of industry. So those are the typical kind of audience profile that that we attract and that we kind of communicate with um, that regularly. So through having conversations with them, and we are quite, we like to concentrate on the, on the pain points, looking at what people's challenges yep. are. So through a number of conversations with them, through our virtual roundtables, through our um, high-level interviews, we do a, a podcast, you know, we have a monthly mag. So through just, you know, working with those guys and hearing their issues through that, we always get a bit of a, a sense of, of what's happening. And plus, on the other side, working with the suppliers and some of the advertisers yeah. on our side, you know, they are always talking to us about the the, the biggest issues that their clients are having, you know? And as yeah. I said, we like to concentrate on the pain point. So when we speak to our to these suppliers and they're telling us about the challenges that their clients are having, it's, it then gives us the kind of bit of an insight to, you know, what our audience kind of wants to hear about, what the industry is most, what's keeping everyone up at night you know so um that's that's probably how we do it the most do you ever get uh like when you're looking at it from a content perspective do you ever see that there's a a a push and pull or is there relative alignment between the operator side and then the supplier side now obviously extreme push we're a supplier and we have a narrative on what we want to push around our product and what we see as the future but do you see alignment in the way the operators and the suppliers are looking at some of those challenges that are coming like um, or do you sometimes see a disconnect and it's like, well, hang on a second, you're a provider, but you're not actually listening to your customer here. Um, yeah. Or is it a bit of a mix? No, I'll be honest with you. I think to an extent there is, there is definitely some an alignment. You know, they, they do, a lot of the suppliers do understand, you know, to an extent what their customers need. Where the biggest issue I find is the adaptability and, yeah. and being able to, even if you know and if you understand it, you know this industry is fast moving, fast paced, new regulations come out every day, yeah. new games come out every day. And I think, especially when you get to the, the larger, uh, more scaled up uh, companies, it's difficult for them to, to pivot and, and adapt yeah. at a pace that's necessary. So I think that's usually where the disalignment comes, you know. Um, but in terms of just kind of like understanding I think majority majority of the suppliers do get what what's necessary, you know. But um, yeah, I think that's probably the the biggest issue that I've seen personally. Okay, and I, you said earlier just in the talk there, and I want to I want to circle back on it because we've actually had a lot of talk on this podcast about community. Was that a was that a real um, uh, a pointed approach from you guys to to look at a community build as a media organisation? I know that is what it says on your front line of your headline. Like yeah, to, to I mean, drive that because I think it is quite unique in what you're doing as a, as a media brand. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Well, you know, community is very important to us. We um, have as much touch points with the industry as possible. I think the, just the fact that we kind of were born out of the the, the, the lockdown, you know. Yeah. Uh, so 
everybody kind of went online. Most of the communities that were outside and going to events and all these sort, they kind of had to had no yeah, had to go to, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, they had to go somewhere. So we kind of wanted to be that place and be a hub for those those individuals, you know, online. So I think yeah, community based is definitely our model, um, and you know, it's definitely it was part of our plan, but it also kind of just came out of necessity, you know, um, and what the industry needed at the time when, when we first first came about, you know. Yeah, and now that you're feeding back into live events, I know you guys do a lot of stuff live. Um, yeah. Like, is that has that been really um, has that been really good for you guys in the last couple of years to to get back out onto um, onto the shores, run run your run your events, your roundtables and whatnot, and actually bring that community that was disparate and separated because we couldn't go anywhere for two years <laughs> back together. Like, has that really driven driven yeah, results no, for you guys? Yeah, you think you hit the nail on the head. Like, you know, I think. You have the, you, you can't use the word community flippantly. I think you know you, there's only so much that you can do online. I think a lot of it, yeah. you know, that face to face connection, meeting people in real life, having those real life conversations, um, you know, I think that's invaluable. I don't think you can really re- replicate that a hundred percent online. So of course, for us, you know, being able to bring that our community offline and into a live space was, was super yeah. important for us. And that kind of, what was born out of that was uh, one of our events called the iGaming Future Breakfast Club. Yeah, now, I was about to ask you about that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I <laughs> jumped the gun there a bit. But um, yeah, the iGaming Future Breakfast Club was, is something that came out of that. And, uh, you know, it's it's more of a, uh, an informal uh, way for, you know, our community to kind of, meet together over coffee um and then we also do some other special things like get outside industry um speakers and influences but you know i yeah. can tell you more about that i know you're gonna no ask no dude no actually let's let's lean into that and yeah. like so what's what's the format for for people that are looking at something like a breakfast club like that so where where are you running that and kind of how do people get involved i think it's it's a good one. We give you a plug now for you to be able to do that. <laughs> but there'll be a reason that I that I talk about this because I want to come back to something on it. So, yeah, I mean, the, the I Game in the Future Breakfast Club is, as I said, it's an informal. Um, usually, as the name suggests, it's a it's a meet, it's a morning event. You know, yeah. over breakfast, we give out coffee and some nice some nice breakfast food. Um, but I think the main element of it is just providing a place for. Um, people to, you know, senior leaders to come and exchange ideas with like-minded people. Yeah. What's really, one of the things that I noticed, because I've got an, a bit of a history in the, uh, the in the industry, putting on events and conferences for other, yeah. um, you know, conference um, organisers in the industry. And one of the things that I always noticed was that, when, especially when it comes to senior leaders, when they go to conferences and they hear other people speaking, it's, it's either, or they give speeches, either one of two things. You can't tell them anything new because they've in the, been in this industry for so long themselves. It's very rare that you're going to tell them or they're going to learn anything about the gaming industry they didn't really know already. Or on the other side, if there is something that um, is actually valuable and worth knowing that people don't yeah. know, not many people are going to want to share it to a room full of their potential competitors. You know, yeah, so okay. it's a bit of a tricky one. So what I've... What we've done with the Breakfast Club is to get outside of industry uh, influences. So other industries like the finance industry or the media industry that are quite heavily regulated, like the game industry, share similar challenges, rely heavily on tech, 
that sort of thing and try and figure out what some of the issues that they're dealing with, how they manage their challenges and see if there's any kind of, you know, transferable uh, knowledge and learnings that we can adopt in the iGaming industry, you know, because it can become a bit incestuous, for lack of a better word, at times, yeah. you know. You can, you can see that in the conference scene, like the, there is very little outside influence yeah. that, that comes in. Um, and so, like, give me some examples of some of the, the talks that you guys have had this year. Like, were there any standouts and, and some of the challenges that you think they were facing that have fed back that gave some real value? Yeah, I think... Um... A really good one to, excuse me, a really good one to kind of highlight. We had a lady called Kathy Griffin and she was the compliance director for Monzo Bank. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, most people should be familiar with them, but if then, if you're not, it's yeah. uh, a, an online disruptor bank, you know? Yeah. Um, and they are, you know, they're doing a lot of great things in the digital space. Um, and she was a compliance director and, you know, her message really was, from her experience working in another highly regulated space was keeping it simple. You know, what yep. she spoke about was harmonizing the customer journey. You know, I think one of the biggest things that operators or like just iGaming companies struggle with is the, the level of compliance that's needed and balancing that in the customer journey. So there's not too much friction, you know, when you're going in, having to yep. fill out this form, send this in, you know, all these different kind of steps that are necessary. Um, but can also, you know, damage the customer journey. So yeah. it, was, it was really interesting hearing how she's dealt with it from uh, the financial institution kind of perspective. Um, and as I said, she was really just talking about keeping it simple, um, the magic of simplicity, you know. Um, it's very, it's, it's difficult to keep the experience fun, but that needs to be the 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 main objective, you know. People, at the end of the day, people are coming to these betting sites and gaming sites for fun, you know, for yeah. entertainment. So if it becomes too much, you know, admin, um, you know, it's easy to see how that how that can slow things down, you know? Yeah, and that, that feeds into player experience, doesn't it? And obviously, it, when you think of the best apps or the best brands that you work with, or, or sorry, that you have on your phone, yeah, um, I'm the same, like you, you go... Oh, that banking app, that traditional banking app drives me insane because I have to do like 2FA, like 40 different things. And like, you can't even just go in and all I want to do is check an account. And Literally, like, we've yeah, all been and, there, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that, that was, yeah. I was going to say it applies across operators too. Like as soon as you put friction in, it's like, okay, I, I've won a bet. I now want to take my money out into my account. And it's like, now I have to go through 14 hoops to do that because because obviously they're, they're protecting themselves from a regulation perspective, but they're also just making it difficult. It's like, hang on, guys, you are just losing experience here. You're just losing player experience because I'll just go, I'll pick one of your 14 competitors that does it sim more simply yeah. um, to, to be able to do it, you know? So, yeah, yeah I, lo I love that term of simplicity should drive everything when you're talking to people. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, literally it's a game changer. And, you know, she was even going down to things like the language that you use, being transparent. I think, you know, yeah. like you just said, oh, what they just want to do this to make it difficult. But if that company is taking the time to explain to you exactly why they're asking for this and yeah. why it's relevant. And then people kind of understand, okay, they're not just being, you know, 
shady, you know. Yeah. There is a, there's a reason for this. So I think, yeah, communication, the language used, transparency, and actively engaging with the regulator was something yeah. that she spoke about as well, you know. And, the, and it's surprising to hear that these are, these all sound like things that you would expressly um, you know, connect with the eye gaming industry, but these are it, these are problems that other industries are facing as well. You know, so it's really yeah, interesting. super interesting. And I think that point around transparency is huge, and it's something that the eye gaming industry struggled with because of its background for years. And yeah. the brands that are that are being transparent and being upfront are the ones that I think are winning um, and yeah. building trust within their player base. Obviously, there's always going to be elements in any industry where it's gray or it's not so gray. It's, 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 it's not, a, it, it could even be um, going down a route of, of not being correct. And that's mm. because of facing regulation. Right. So um, yeah, I always find that interesting in, in the, in the push and pull of that around regulation and how brands either embrace it um, and are hopefully the ones that don't get punished by the regulators, but often are. Yeah. Um, but then there are brands that cheat the system, um, but also then are causing problems for the guys that are trying to do the right thing. So yeah. it's a bit of a push and pull, isn't it? Push and pull, I think that's the best way to describe it, Will, honestly. Yeah. That, and, yeah. and so like talking of challenges then, because that's probably a pretty good way to segue into this. Like, yeah. From sitting in the Curtis Roach chair talking to talking to everyone within the industry and looking at the content that you guys are producing, what are you seeing for the future in, in 2024 or 2025 as big, big challenges that are either coming down the line or currently live within the industry for potentially operators or maybe even suppliers that, that we should be thinking about now? Yeah, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a few, um, but I think some of the ones that kind of come up the most, I think the, the elephant in the room, AI and new technology that's 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 emerging on the market. I think yep. that's that's been a big challenge. What I what I mean by that is not necessarily the the, the technology itself, but best ways to implement it. Yeah. Um. I think that we're going through uh, a bit of a digital transformation and uh, in industry, especially that was catalyzed by the lockdown. You know, and everything's going online. And I think that in order to um, make best use of the new traffic that's online and be able to give everyone a good customer experience at scale. Things like yeah. AI and machine learning, some of the, the great new tech that's coming out will really benefit the market, you know. But I think in terms, you know, there's a, it's, there's a, there's two sides to it. So you know, yeah. one of the things I'm always hearing is that you know people are scared about AI replacing people's jobs and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But actually. It's more, it's more about, as I said, how it's applied and it can be like a bit of a, it's meant to be more of an aid, you know, to, to, yeah. to, to the human resource and how it's going to be used is going to be a big issue. And there's a lot of companies out there saying, you know, they do, they use these sorts of technologies, but being able to implement it correctly to get the best return on investment is, um, is going to be key. Um, understanding, um, you know, which supplier to work with. You know, there's so many different people out there offering yeah. these new, shiny, you know, products. Which one is best for your company? You know, which one is best for, for you as an operator? Everyone has different needs. So I think that's a massive issue at the moment, just being able to get, figure out how to get the best return from the new technology investments that's going on. Yeah, and to navigate a relatively congested market that's new too, I think that's, that's that's a big challenge for potentially operators working with suppliers on seeing what is 
what is potentially marketing spin at the moment versus actual technology that can help help yeah. their brands and help their customers in the end as well. Yeah. Um, a really interesting point about how these new emerging technologies, and this is purely because of the hat that I wear, I'm obviously always focused on operators and the customer experience, but often, often we forget about the implications of these technologies in the back end of these mm. brands and, you know, how someone working in a retail shop might be feeling under threat and the fact that this digital transformation is potentially taking that away. Um, yeah. And, and that's, and that's one of the beauties of this industry of the, of the scope, the, the, the width of types of operators that you've got, you've got big high street operators that still have a social function within their, within the remit of their business. It's not just about going in and putting in a bet. It's about going in and having a chat yeah. down at your local shop. Um, yeah, and I think I think that these types of technologies present opportunities to brands to be able to better those experiences across the board as well. For sure, and and there's a couple other things as well that I wanted to mention. I think, yeah. um, an ongoing one, but it's actually getting increasingly um, mentioned, which I suppose would be no surprise to you, given you know the, the work that Extreme push yeah. do. But um, player engagement, you know, I think you know there's such a congested uh, market out there. Um, player churn is at an all-time high, you know, loyalty is at an all-time low, you know, there's so many, there's so many options out there. So I think operators are really looking at new innovative ways, not just the same way, because, you know, with the clampdown of advertising and the amount of marketing you do, you know, company operators are really looking for new innovative ways to engage customers, to keep them playing to um to retain their attention you know so yeah. i think that's one of the biggest issues and there are a lot of great new products as i'm sure you know will that are yeah, out yeah, there yeah. that you know that can that's really help it. yeah you just don't you just don't your commission for the plug to extreme push everyone <laughs> hey, there you go thanks I, i'll send you my bank details after um <laughs> thank you um but um no but honestly i think that is really the key at the moment you know and um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how things change going forward. I think, you know, making gaming into more, more of a kind of, uh, experience for the players rather yeah. than it being so transactional, really understanding their, their personal preferences in real time. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's going to be a, a big issue going forward, but, um, it's interesting to see where things are going. And the last one that I wanted to mention, which is a bit left field, but it's talent recruitment, talent sourcing. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's quite, that's actually massive. I think, you know, as we are a heavily tech based industry, coders, developers, they're like gold dust, you know, at the yeah. moment and they demand such high wages. And I think, the one of the things that makes it a bit of a challenge for us as an industry is you know we are whether we like it or not we are a what's the word polarizing industry you know yeah um so some people if you're you they may not choose to go to into the gaming industry to use their development skills they wear up against the googles and the spotify's and you yeah. know all the other massive digital kind of industries and companies that are out there for for that talent so um, I think that's been a, a, a major, a major challenge as well. Um, so yeah. Do you, do you think that brands are doing? And and it's interesting that you say this because it, I, I was recently on a talk um, with an e-commerce um, expert. Exactly the same problem: getting talent into the industry can be very difficult um, because of the competing 
industries that are out there that yeah. might be seen as more glamorous and then times that by 10 with exactly like you said because call out the elephant in the room that the the gaming industry has a reputation and probably a well-deserved reputation i think <laughs> um in, in some in, in some regards as to as to as to what it is do you think do you think that with more regulation and with brands confronting their social responsibility and it could be through new technologies that we might get over the hump of that. And I, I like to look at the example of, of how the industry is really starting to double down on things like convergence of media and experience being as important as the outcomes of making someone bet. It's about having the experience of checking your team news and seeing your scores live and doing stuff like that. Partners of ours, live score do a great job of it. Do you think the more the industry is upfront about that, the better chances they are of, of of being seen as leaders, being seen as tech innovators and being able to recruit people better. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think it's a direct, you know, it's a direct kind of um, product of that, you know. And, you know, I think we were seeing it a lot more in industry as well. A lot of more of the narratives that operators are kind of pushing out to the market are ones of more player protection, responsible gambling. Yeah. Um, our ones about just putting the player first, customer centric, um, you know, strategy. So I think that's a really great um, thing that's come out of it. Um, and just, and I think I'm quite, a, I'm an optimistic person. So yeah, you know, although you know, as you said, you know, there is a reputation that is probably quite well deserved from 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 the industry. I think there's definitely a lot of scope to change that going forward, and yeah. there's a lot of great initiatives um, that are that are happening. Um, that I, I think are very positive. Even recently, I was speaking to uh, a, a guy that I met at SBC Barcelona and he was starting uh, a new affiliate, um, like a operator a comparison site. But the comparison was based on their social impact. Brilliant, um, brilliant. Their, I think their ESG scores um, yeah. and things like that. And because, you know, we are an, a generation that are a lot more, uh, aware a lot more conscious of these things and I think yep. that is very important to people you know so I think that that's those are just that's just an example of you know how things are changing and I think with more um, initiatives like that for sure we can change the reputation of, of, of our industry and hopefully help to attract better talent more talent yep. um, you know to help grow the industry you know I think I think it feeds a hundred percent into the the challenges facing the industry actually are the opportunities as much as anything as well. Like you can kind of, as you say, if you take the optimistic route, then then you've got opportunities to do that. And it's and and we have a plethora of information as consumers now, as players sure. or readers, to be able to make informed choices. Um, and I think you will start to see that more and more that the brands that are listening to their consumers. Um, understanding their behaviours and and respecting their choices in much as anything are the ones that are going to start to win, and that's 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 across all industries at the moment. People people won't tolerate things that don't align with their value set. So, I think that that's um uh, and hearing about an operator doing that, it's excellent. And you can see so much um around the around the safe ga gambling and um and the corporate social responsibility that. That brands that are taking it seriously and doing it right are the ones that are probably going to start to win. I think in the next kind of decade or so. Um, so, Curtis, talk to me about what's next for iGaming Future. What's the future of iGaming Future? There's a there's a tongue twister for you. So, have you guys got big plans coming down the line, or? 
What's the future of iGamy Future? I really like that. Um, yeah, that could be that could be a topic heading for you on on site. Could be. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, lots more growth. I think one of the biggest um, things that I would, I'd like to talk about is um, iGamingFutura.com. Um, you know, as I'm sure you know, you know, it's exploded. The iGaming is exploding all over the world. Latin America yeah. is is no different. Um, there's a lot going on over there and, you know, we wanted to kind of focus uh, a bit more on that market because we see a lot of exciting things happening that we'd, we'd yeah. love to be part of. So we've recently launched uh, a new editorial team that's based in South America Great. Uh, that will be running our new site, iGamingFuturo.com. So it's it's just going to be a lot more um, Latin American uh, content designed specifically for a Latin American audience, you know? Um, yeah. And that's something that we're really excited about um, and we, we can't wait to kind of show the industry more about that. Um, and then also, um, we do have another uh, iGaming Future Breakfast uh, Club happening. Um, yeah. And also a supper club happening on the same day. Great. Um, so please look out for more information on that because there'll be some great outside of industry speakers coming to take part in that as well. So I'll keep you updated on that for sure i think that like what you guys are doing and the, and the double down on localization is, is hugely important like in a in a market like latin america that's 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 now regulating and providing so many opportunities i know from my recent trip to SBC barcelona i think that for me uh when i wrote a piece afterwards that that was the hottest button topic for me everyone was talking to me about latin america because yes. obviously it's the new frontier that'll that'll take regulation with brazil and a yeah. um, few setbacks in regulation in a couple of countries, but but it it, it it looks like the huge opportunity. It looks like the next big growth market behind the US. So um, for those European operators, particularly, agree. And and you know, like you said, localization that is the that is the key for us. You know, and having that local community. So we'd be doing it with iGame Futura for the Latin market, and the plan is to go like you said, like another great. Uh, region north america we're gonna yep. do a north american one and then of course africa as well is another great market that we'd be looking yeah. at so yeah localization is the key so that's probably the, the best way to describe what our, our our future looks like you know excellent and then i, I want to finish on asking you a couple of uh things from from a marketing perspective so with your marketing hat on um okay what what are the what are some of the brands or some of the campaigns that you've seen recently um, that maybe jump out at you or even, you know, the, the type of things that certain brands or operators or suppliers are talking about at the big events like um, SBC, um, ICE and those things. Like what's, what's jumped out at you this year is something that's effective. I've put, I've, I've put you on the spot there. Usually we do, usually we do a pre-prep on this one, but um, I've just fired it at you, Curtis. So we'll see how well you go. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. I think... Um... What do I really like? I think I've seen, I think, to be honest with you, I really like what um, Kindred have been yep. doing. Um, their kind of efforts to have zero, was it, I thought they said they were going to have zero uh, revenue from uh, problem gamblers by 20, yeah. 2025, I think. Um, I think that's been, that's really cool. I think that's great setting a great example for the industry. I, I think they're, they're really making great steps forward with that so i think that's been a great a great one i did mention that that yeah that, the, that, the operator before yeah, I the think operator, is and, they, yeah. and they started their affiliate um operator kind of uh comparison site based on 
environmental factors, social factors, ASG. So I think that's that's a really great one. And also, actually, another good one that I think recently I've seen um, uh, Better Collective, they their awards show. I mean, I know this isn't the first year yeah. they've done it, but they do an award show based purely on data. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard about this, but they do. It's an award show. It's purely based on the data. As you can imagine, you know, Better Collective, they've got a, a, a large... Um, kind of like pool of data available to them. So they are doing awards like best um, operator, but it's purely based on the, the feedback they're getting from the players, you know? So Brilliant. I think that's, that's really interesting. Again, putting the player and the customer first. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. And also I think just to add in, and I know you guys haven't paid me for this, but I think having conversations like this, you know, with Extreme Push creating um, content, you know, that is more relevant to the industry and looking at the wider uh, kind of issues in the industry, I think that's always a benefit, you know, rather than just concentrating on, you know, just marketing your product. I think being able to have that wider conversation, um, I think it's always quality uh, going forward. So, yeah, I think that's probably what I'd say. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, I love that example of the Better Collective thing, using using data to drive the actual pieces. So, like, players being at the forefront of who's winning those winning those battles. Because you know so, these yeah. award shows I mean, Yeah, yeah, they can be a little they can be a little subjective, right? They've got a bit of a reputation for not being as objective as you'd hope. So I think stuff like that is again it's a lovely step forward and I love to see it. So no, it's great. And and Curtis, like we're coming to end of time here. Um, I think uh, what I'd like to plug is if you if you are looking um, for for one of the best publishers in the business around all of these topics that we've 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 briefly touched on today, do get to iGaming Future to their events and get onto their website and subscribe. Um, I know as a resource for someone that sits on the sales side um, of the industry, uh, hugely beneficial to me to be able to keep the finger on the pulse of what's going on. Um, and then, yeah, so I, I think uh, it's worthy of me giving a plug there to you guys. So um, we've had a great chat today. Um, if anyone wants to get in touch, I'm sure they can link in with you um, and then go from there um, or, or drop you a message. But yeah, Curtis, great expertise on all of the different pieces of content that I threw at you. Um, so I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Will. Um, it's been a pleasure and an honor to be here. And um, yeah, look forward to doing it again one day very soon.